<laughs> Casey, would you like to come do a solo? Yes, yes, Casey, come on up, please, and uh, do your best rendition of Hey Jude by the Beatles. If you have your Bibles, find the book of Jude or the letter of Jude. This is a power, power-packed little letter. And um, somebody asked me this week, says, what are we going to next? And I said, John. And they said, so Jude this week, and we'll start into John next. And I said, no, we're going to do a series of seven messages out of Jude. They said, Tim, it's, it's only on one page of my Bible. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> Still, we're going to do a series in Jude. Why? Because it is entirely power-packed, and it's just the sort of thing we need in this day. Though it's 2,000 years later, we still face some of the exact same challenges that Jude faced in his day. As a matter of fact, we may face those challenges on steroids. If you think about why Jude was writing, it's kind of, it's kind of simple. People had infiltrated the church and they were subverting the gospel. There were heretics and false teachers, and Jude did not pull any punches. Now, I want to tell you, I don't mind calling names. Um, I don't mind. But I spend more time telling the truth than I do calling out liars. I just spend more time on what is lovely, what is pure, what is noble. But when it comes down to it, I don't mind saying, hey, don't listen to so-and-so. I don't know who your so-and-so is, but there's a bunch of so's-and-so's out there if you ask me. I was appalled the other day. I was looking on Amazon, and uh, sometimes they'll run these restaurant gift cards where you can, you can get a $25 one for 20 bucks. And I just see free $5. That's all I see. And that's what I was looking for. And I saw a Joel, Joel Osteen uh, an Inspirational Messages Cube. They have it at Walmart. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. I can go get one tonight. We're, so we're going to go get one of those just as soon as Hades turns to icicles. But it cracked me up. A Joel Osteen inspirational cube. <laughs> oh, man, I'd rather have a Ron Swanson inspirational cube. I would. And, and, you know, so I can sit here and I can just start naming names, right? But for my money, for my money, and I believe my call, and what's better is to equip the church for they themselves to recognize the foolishness, to recognize the false teachers, to recognize the heresy, but also to recognize the good, to recognize truth. And then I don't have to be over your shoulder every time you listen to a podcast or watch the news saying, yeah, that's okay. That's Tim approved. That's Tim approved. We don't need that. We need to learn to recognize truth, listen to the Holy Ghost, discern. And so I don't spend as much time calling out the Joel Osteens and the whosoever's and the whatever's as I do saying, this is Jesus. And that's actually the major theme of the book of Jude. The guy says, I really wanted to write to you guys and, and tell you all about this great salvation we enjoy together, but I feel like I've got to call some stuff out. And so what does he do? He warns against allowing false teachers to continue to have their influence in the church. And he calls on the church to aggressively, passionately defend the truth. Now, everywhere we go these days, 
what I'll call seep is everywhere. Seep. I'll give one silly example of how it hit me. Um, so any guys, any guys remember the 80s pretty good besides me? Regrettably, I remember the 80s. My wife still loves 80s music. She breaks my heart. It's garbage. Um, but anyway, any of you guys from the 80s remember the movie The Goonies? Oh, wow. You guys are having an emotional moment. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes is right at the beginning of the movie where they won't let the little kid chunk in the house until he does the truffle shuffle. And I used to love to do the truffle shuffle. I'd grab my, my fat rolls and... You know, you didn't have to convince. Now I just have one large croissant, and it, it doesn't jiggle so much. So I now do the croissant crunch, you know, or something. <laughs> you know. And so I was so excited to find it was free on Amazon Prime or something at one point, whatever it was. I told the girls, I said, hey, let's go retro. You watch one of our movies from my childhood. And they come in, and we watch The Goonies. What mama and daddy were letting them children talk like that? With my lost ears, my separated mind, I didn't even pick up on that stuff as a kid. Or if I, I was so soaked in cussing and, and rude humor that it didn't even register me. I just remember it being a cute movie. Watching it with a redeemed mind, I go, hold up. You know, it's like you want to tell your kids, listen, let's watch this, but could you stick your fingers in your ears and close your eyes? <laughs> the censored version is they just get to watch them slide down the water slide. That was the only thing that you could watch. It's like, oh, that was a great movie. Jude wants us to learn how to be sensitive to Jesus, not so everything in the world will freak us out, but so that we can treasure Jesus in the midst of the trash pile. The goal isn't to be able to point out every junky song, every junky movie. The goal is to treasure Jesus. So even when you watch a silly movie like The Goonies, it'll teach you a lesson. Everybody's enamored of the pursuit of treasure. And even in this mess, we'll make movies about finding gold ships when what all of our hearts are really looking for is to journey with Jesus, the greatest treasure of all. In a moment, I'm going to introduce you to the man, but let me read two short verses from the letter of Jude. They go just like, we, Andrew just taught, us to, taught, taught them to us in song. They go just like this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are what? Read it with me. Called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Read that next one. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Casey, you want to solo that part? <laughs> hey, Northbrook crowd, your life won't be complete until you see Casey dance. Or rap. This is our passage for the night. Let's ask God to open it to us. Father, it's just literature if your spirit doesn't open it to us. We'll treat it like so many other words in so many other books. Intellectually, know, we know the Bible's supposed to be special. But our hearts will just treat it like something else unless you help us. To cause us to see Holy Ghost Kiss my eyes. I want to see. I want to see Christ. I want to see the truth. I want to see what is noble. I want to see what is good. And if we're going to do that, we're going to need your help. So give us understanding in places where 
ignorance and distraction reign and give us affection in places where we've given our heart to so many things that don't deserve it. Help us in this time of teaching. In Jesus we pray, amen. Now to meet the man. The man is Jude. And there's a ton of evidence that old Jude is the brother of Jesus Christ. If you were to look, for example, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55, they ask this question, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And, you know, and it's no doubt, it's no doubt in our minds that they would call this the letter of Jude because no one would ever want this to be confused with Judas Iscariot. See, everybody knew it. Don't want to be confused with that guy. It's no doubt. It's no doubt in our mind those several people, maybe even four, are called Jude or Judas in the scriptures that this Jude is the brother of James, the brother of Jesus. And he's probably listed last because, like me and you, Judah, like me and you, Will, he's number four. He's probably, he's probably the fourth brother behind Jesus. In this case, he's number five, the youngest. And, and you might be surprised to find this out, but most of Jesus' family, it seems, it seems, with the exception of his mom, didn't believe in him during his earthly ministry. In John chapter 7, verse 5, it says, not even his brothers believed in him. I know that feeling. But after the resurrection, the resurrection seems critical in their faith. I think it is the critical issue of the faith. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we learn this. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This could be the generic word for brothers. It could also be the word used for brothers and sisters. What scholars believe is that because it's named right there with Mary, it's like saying Mary and her kids. In other words, the siblings of Christ. So there's the man. What is the book about? He urges us to defend the doctrines of faith, and we'll unfold that over the next few weeks. Also, you Northbrook people who are going to fall in love with you tonight, you can find all these sermons on something. What's it called, Shannon? A podcast thing. Yes, you can find it, and you'll be able to listen to all these wonderful messages from myself and Brett and Casey over the next few weeks. You won't want to miss it. You're going to be cruising down highway, is it nine? Just, oh man, jamming to East Rock sermons. Just do it, guys. You're going to see how Jude is going to urge us to defend the doctrines of faith. He's going to urge us to identify, point out false teachers, to reject their teaching and their immoral character. He's going to urge us to not just identify false teachers, but judge them. So I said, wait a minute. If you're a Christian, you ain't supposed to judge. No, you're only supposed to judge by the same standards you understand you're being judged by. Ruh row. In other words, call them out on the same thing God's going to call us out on. What's he going to call us out on? Christ. We're going to learn that Jesus is going to hold us through the mess. The smart folks call that the perseverance of the elect. And that God is going to grant mercy to those he calls because he wants us to show mercy to others. And finally, we're going to see in the book of Jude over the next few weeks that God grants us the grace that will ensure that we will persevere. I don't know why I needed to hear this so much in my life right now. Maybe it's because business has taken me over. Maybe it's because um, I'm, uh, I don't know where middle age crests, but I think I've gone over the edge. 
Maybe it's that I feel like uh, it's a lot of stress in my life. Anybody know that feeling? You know, somebody asked me this week how it was going. I says, which things? And it's like any of it. Oh, it's all messed up. <laughs> I just want to know, tell you, tell me which thing, and I'll tell you how messed up it is. And so I had lunch with one of our donors in my life. How's fundraising going? I said, well, I've got good news. We raised $19,000 in new donations. He said, wow. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, but we spent 31, so we're right on target. No problem. I needed to know that beyond the totality of my mess, that Christ has got me. I'm okay. That the moment doesn't rule me. That the controversy going on in my life or in my family or in my local church or in my community is not the final word. I needed that. I needed to know that this tough past week isn't the end of my story. And we're going to see all of that over the next few weeks. Today, though, I have two overarching thoughts that I have been praying would encourage you mightily. Let's jump right into them. Number one, I've been praying that you would know who you are in Christ. Lots of folks these days are looking for identity. Did you know that? Lots of people. Um, there's some things that crack me up, like uh, there's a generation of women who cannot own a single object that does not have their initials and curly letters on it. I, I, I want to help y'all. I want to help y'all. Jack Hawkins, he can weld anything. He can just make you guys a brand, like they use on cattle, you know, it's a rod and it's got you. And you can just go around and, like, you can put it on all your stuff. Just get it real then you got those people, and I've been this guy, so you got those people who cannot own a single thing that doesn't have their favorite sports team on it. You know what I'm talking about? Everything. Got their team on it. Daniel, what you laughing at? You ain't never shot a jumper. You didn't yell out, LeBron! <laughs> right? Or, or you get a guy who's into hunting and has, has everything. He's got to get everything for hunting. Yesterday, Daniel and I rode by Mayo. He said, are they having a fishing tournament? I said, I don't know. He says, technology. Technology has ruined fishing as a sport. I don't need no sonar to tell me where to fish y'all. They're in the water. <laughs> I was like, my man. He's also admitting he doesn't have the money to have a boat or a sonar, but me either, Daniel, right? Me either. He said, I just got this kind of pole. I just stand, I watch the weather, and I go fishing. People are looking for identity. Sometimes it doesn't happen in humorous ways like these. Sometimes people buy into a whole entire thing to identify themselves. We see it these days. Some people, they boil down their entire existence to a couple of their body parts. And in a way, that's a bit sad. Because aren't you much more than a couple of your body parts? Isn't your life much more valuable than a body part or two? Sometimes it's really sad. People will give themselves to things that are entirely temporary. And they'll only ever relate to it in a temporary fashion. So our identity is a big deal. It's a really big deal. I like how the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians, where he says, listen, here's my credentials. I'm a Hebrew of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised, you know, concerning the law, uh, blameless, a Pharisee, I persecuted the church. Here's all my credentials. And he's not saying that all of them things are bad in and of themselves. He just says, and I compared the whole of my entire identity 
next to Christ. Does anybody remember what he said that's worth over here, this whole pile? Dung or refuse, or it's actually a very strong word meaning human discharge. Yuck. It's not that his education was bad in and of itself. It's not that his heritage was bad in and of itself. It's just relative to Christ. It's not worth all that. We need to know who we are in Jesus, and I believe Jude encourages us with four things. Number one, you are purchased. Now, for some people, that sounds like slavery. It sounds like, to me, I was purchased out of slavery. Jude says, I'm a servant. The word is bondservant. He means I'm bound to Jesus now. I'm bound to him. I'm bonded to him. But let's think about, let's think about what Jesus did to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says this, you are not what, church? Own. If you're a believer, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you don't own you. Why? For you were bought with a price. Or look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's needs, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with what, church? With the, said together with what? Precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Who's ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? It's okay if you haven't. Okay, I wasn't ready for this one particular scene in it. I just, I truly wasn't ready. Uh, this guy's had, uh, his brothers have been killed in various others, other arenas of war operations and and they get word that he's the only one left, and they send out this group of army rangers and say, go get this guy. And they go through all these perils, and, and one by one they're kind of picked off, and they finally get in this final battle, and all of them are killed. But the one guy, Private Ryan, and one other guy, Tom Hanks, plays the captain, and in the next to the last scene he's dying on a bridge in some little town in, in France, and Private Ryan leans over to him, and he told him, earn this. Oh, I, I sort of, my manly side hates to admit it. I just started crying. I was in the movie theater. I was like, oh, my goodness. What sort of weight could you put on a man to say, earn this? You know what Christ said? Christ says, enjoy this. It's a radical difference in that. You cannot earn it. The wages of sin is what, church? Yeah, that's what you earn. What's your paycheck for sin? But, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. And we're bought with a precious price, not with silver and gold. And he's not crying out to his church, earn this. He's saying, enjoy this. Church, church, you're bought with a precious price. We are not our own. Secondly, we're called to believe in him. Now, I want to belabor this, but I won't. So I've chosen to let Timothy George belabor it for me. And a quote from his book, Amazing Grace I want you guys to see this. That's why I'll put it on the screen. God created human beings with free moral agency, and he does not violate this even in the supernatural work of regeneration. Christ does not rudely bludgeon his way into the human heart. He does not abrogate our creaturely freedom. No. See, see this sentence? Read the sentence with me. No. He beckons and woos. He pleads and pursues. He winks and he wins. 
You see, that's his nature. And this word calling, the, the theologians would say it's effectual calling. In other words, the Holy Spirit just comes after you, comes after you, and comes after you until you see his loveliness, you see his beauty, his surpassing value, and you say, my goodness, he's beautiful. I got to have that. Most, I tell this, Roxborough folks, y'all just tolerate me. I tell, tell this for the Northbrook crowd's benefit. When I was in sixth grade, I'd, I'd gone to three schools in fifth and sixth grade. It's tough to move around. I was riding a bus, and we'd come around this curve, and it'd pick up this little girl, and I'd be looking. She was pretty. Whew. I liked her. She had a little piglet nose, and I felt like Kermit. And I was slick, but I'd write these love notes. Do you like me? I like you. And I'd only put one box and just put yes. She was rude. She'd write her own box. And she'd write things like no way, not just no. And I was like, you could just say no. I mean, no is good enough. You ain't got to be so adamant. And exclamation points and stuff. One time I got smart. I got real smart. I, I wrote a one more box. I said, you will and I sent it back to her. You will like me. And I did everything for that girl. And I tried sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. You know, because by eighth grade, I was ready to settle down. It's getting serious now. You know, around here, if you ain't got kids by 14, we start to wonder about you. She said, no, 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 no. Come senior year, we go back to our elementary school. I don't know if you guys do that where you're from. You go back for your sixth year, fifth grade now, but it used to be sixth grade. And uh, we were the first two to show up. And you know what she asked me? Why did you quit trying? I answered her very honestly. You got ugly. <laughs> I didn't say it out loud. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't true. I'm not God. I can't take with so much being told no. But when God wants you, he just comes and comes and comes. You guys, you guys, you guys are bought with a price, and you're called to believe in him. You're called to believe in him. And it's not that he goes, hey, anybody that's available, come on over here. No. In his love, he woos and woos and woos until the human heart is unlocked. I love what Timothy George says. He beckons and he woos. He pleads and pursues. He waits and he wins. And he keeps putting yes, 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 until you think it's your idea. <laughs> Senior year of high school, I looked rather debonair by then. Never that good looking. <laughs> but we're sitting there, and I, you know, I got my, my 85 Dodge. Oh, yeah, baby. Fully factory. She pulls up. Why'd you quit trying? See, God doesn't. God doesn't quit trying. When you realize, thirdly, that you're loved, when you realize, thirdly, that you're loved, you'll realize that it's been him that has been pursuing, and it is he that has accomplished the work, and it is he that has taken the burden to hold on to you. And the word here is used in the perfect tense, meaning, meaning in the Greek grammar, it's finished. It's a settled matter. Ain't changing. You're exactly right. It ain't changing. He don't. He never loved you because you were all that great. He loved you because he's good. 
I love 1 John 14, and in this is love, not that we have loved God, but he, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He looked on us not because we we're lovely, but because he's loving, he loved us. And then he fixed the broken thing so that we could love him back. Then he woos us and teaches us that love and gives it to us as a gift. He wants us simply to say yes. Fourthly, you are kept. And what I mean here is protected. And I could preach on this all day. One of my, one of my favorite things is when I'm trying to get somebody to help me out. This is a phrase I love. I don't know if any of you have ever heard this. I love it when I'm trying to get somebody to do something and they say this, I got you. I got you. I love that. Like uh, one time, Katie and Rachel went to this concert and couldn't figure out where to go. And, and I was like, hold on, let me, you know, and I went over and talked to this guy and he said, oh, I got you. Just tell him to come this way. All the nervousness about what to do and where to go, it ended because there was somebody saying, I, I, this is settled. It's easy. No problem. When you think of being kept, God is saying, this is settled. Nobody says it better than the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, where it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Maybe we need to read this aloud. Join in with me and read verse 38 and 39. Read it with me, church. You ready? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And what's the key here? Anybody notice what's the key to this love. It's in Christ Jesus. So it's no wonder false teachers come along and try to get your eyes off Jesus. It doesn't, they don't care what they use, what method. As long as you love something else besides Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter what method or what thing. I'll never forget my dad's first cousin had some kind, I think it was a Plymouth Fury. And he fixed it up, and he brought it by the house, and, and uh, the, the body shop was really near my dad's house. The day he picks it up from the body shop, he brings it over. I happen to be visiting my dad. Oh, we go out, and we look at this cool car. He had painted this dark red or rouge or whatever. And I, I can't lie, y'all. It was gorgeous. And I'm just looking at this thing, you know, and he's, you want to go for a ride? And I said, oh, yeah, man. I want to go for a ride. I do. He cranks it up. It sounded like all of Detroit was under the hood. And that's hillbilly for let's date. I get in the car, we go down the road, we're riding, we're cruising, this is smooth. Man, we get back to the house, he pulls into the driveway, I get out of the car, and I thought I'd just shut the door. I thought I'd just shut the door. My man's went off. You slammed my door, what are you crazy? Just got the car back, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hold on, chill. It's made out of metal. It'll be okay. We both go in and say goodbye to my mom and dad, and we leave just a couple minutes apart. We're both going the same direction. If you know anything about Person County, it was down the Woodsdale Road near Heiko River. I get just past the river, which is only a couple, maybe three miles from my parents' house, and there he is on the side of the road. He has hit a deer and totaled that car. Now, being the compassionate second cousin that I am, I rolled up with my window down and laughed. And I said, how about that door? Is it okay? 
This was pre-cell phone, so he commenced into saying these words. Basically, he was saying, would you take me back up to my, his aunt, my grandma's house, so he could use the phone? I was like, yeah. Get on in my 81 station wagon. I'll be glad to take you anywhere. Mercury Zephyr, you can't make this stuff up. And the whole way, I turn around the whole way, I'm doing like this. <laughs> A simple deer had separated him from the thing he loved. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus says this about his ministry towards you. Consequently, he is able to say to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Guys, guys, you're purchased. You're called to believe in him. You're loved. You are kept. And your God is not going to let go of you. And you take the whole pile up of your mess ups and in Christ Jesus, you're still not going to let go. I just noticed the time, so let me just go through this second part really quick. Second big, big idea is I want you to know what you have from Christ, from Christ. Three big things, and I'll go through it very quickly. I just noticed the time. We enjoy abundant mercy, abundant mercy. Shannon, find, I put a picture in there, Shannon. Can you find it for me, please? It's a picture. It's, you'll know it because it looks like a picture. This unleashes a summer of rejoicing for every southerner, right? So I was mowing my grass the other day, and I cut my mower off, and it wouldn't restart. I had to jump it off. I go get my van. I get in the van, and on the thing where you close the door, the little handle, a horsefly was upside down, and he could not get himself right side up. I hate horseflies, mostly because I'm the size of a horse, and they all find me. Go to the pool, ask my daughters. I'll kill them, and I'll make a pile on the side of the pool. Like, I don't know what my record is, but it's a lot. I've had a heaping pile of horse flies. But just some about watching this horse fly, you know, he was. And he was kicking his little wings, you know. He just could not get turned over. And I just saw him, and I was like, oh, this is pitiful. And I reached. I didn't. I didn't, Michael. And I flipped him over, and I could have swore he smiled. <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I moved my van, I get out, and the jumper cables in the back, I opened the back door, I get the jumper cables out. And if it wasn't the same horsefly, they looked a lot alike. Mug lands on my leg, tries to bite me. <laughs> I killed him. And I said out loud, if any of my neighbors were watching, they said, what is Tim doing talking to the concrete? Because, you know, I was. I said to him, mercy for a moment, but not forever. Isn't that the condition of the whole entire world? If the wages of sin is death, then isn't everyone who's alive right now experiencing mercy in the moment? But who gets mercy forever? Those in Christ. In Christ, the abundance of mercy never runs out, but not in Christ. <laughs> You're going to be a dead horsefly. I'm not even trying to be funny at that point. It's just not in Christ means you're not safe. It means you keep trying to bite God, and at some point, he's going to bite back. If grace is unmerited favor, mercy is unmerited kindness. If grace means you get what you don't deserve, 
Mercy means you don't get what you do deserve. One of the most powerful images I ever saw this was in the movie Schindler's List. I'm not advocating you watch it. It's a very sad and difficult movie. But the character of Liam Neeson is trying to convince the concentration camp guy that showing mercy is real power. He tries it for a few days. He finds it unsatisfying. He goes, I pardon you. I pardon you. He found it very unsatisfying. God finds it very satisfying. He wants not mercy just to visit us, but to be multiplied to us. Michael, you know, you sent me that invoice. Our, we ordered some stuff from Michael this week. And so I was just checking it. You know, you told me to check it. I'm checking it. Somewhere along the line, instead of hitting plus, I hit multiply. And I was trying to do it like to do it at the bank where they look at. What was supposed to be one total was like 10 times that. I don't know what I did. And I started looking, and it shows you. And in one of the operations, I hit times like 20-something. We did not send your company that check. I don't think we understand sometimes how God is multiplying mercy to us by only, not only not smushing us every time we sin, promising to never smush us for our sin. Not just that, but abundant peace. Jesus has justified us and given us peace with God. We're not at war with him without, and he's seeking to grant us and teach us how to be at peace with him within, so we enjoy abundant peace. He's not scrimping on it. We enjoy abundant love. Nothing's ever going to separate us. And he's even asked the Father to love us to the same degree that he loved the Son. I find it interesting that we all know this. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that everything, a lot of things that are really powerful and useful will pass away, but love will never pass away. Why? Because it's God is love. It's of his character. It'll never go away. I want to close with an with a illustration. Some of you guys in this room experienced this. People who hang out with me know that I love to spoil a child. If I can, if I'm given the opportunity, I love to spoil kids. And one of my absolute favorite activities on the face of this planet is an ice cream truck. <laughs> Recently, we were at White Lake. A bunch of these kids that are here right now are at White Lake with us. And, and I was in the house, and I was washing these metal pans, making a lot of noise. And I get a text, and it was from my friend Michaela Watkins. She says, Tim, I hear an ice cream truck. <laughs> Shannon was standing right outside. He'll tell you, they thought something bad had happened. I just come running out of the house. Hey, what's wrong? I didn't, I didn't say a word. I was so excited. I couldn't even, I, I couldn't contain it. I ran and got in my van, and I'm going to the edge of the property. Where I got the windows down. I'm doing like this. Because <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I could hear it, but was it coming from the right or the left? I really didn't know. This is, this is kind of funny, but I, I was serious. I said, Lord, which way do I go? <laughs> Some people trying to get out of hell. I'm trying to get an ice cream truck. I turn to the left, and, and I'm just like one of them scenes where they, you know, they're having the car chase, and they're, they're trying to find each other down the street. This is me. I get right to the place in White Lake where the, you know, the big park is, Carolyn. You know what I'm talking about? Golston's or something like that. There's a, there's a police car there. It's, it's, what, 20 through there, 25? I'm doing 86. And I'm just like this. My defense was going to be, did you hear that ice cream truck? Suddenly, I see the ice cream truck. They're coming out the end of the neighborhood road to the road. And this is all I do. I go. Like there wasn't other neighborhoods between us that they needed to go to to make money. I'm like, no. 
And I, I do a U-turn in front of the police officer. Again. <laughs> and I come into the thing, and the ice cream truck comes in, and I'm blowing the horn, and the ice cream truck is playing the music. And I got the, wind the windows down and yelling, ice cream, ice cream. And uh, the Carvers and the Liggetts, 37 kids, we're watching a movie or something, and they all come piling out the house, and they're like, <laughs> dodging cars. Brett has to run out to, Will, Will, Will. And no joke, this is me. Adults are trying to be cool, man. They're like, and I'm literally telling grown people, let the kids go first. Some of the kids know exactly what they want. Some of them are standing looking at all of them pictures. And I know what they're thinking. Can I get all of this? Some of them just point. Some of them name it. Not one single kid says to the lady running the ice cream, how much do I owe you? It was off of their scope. Totally not thinking of owing, only about enjoying. One of the biggest things about false teachers is they try to convert you to owing rather than enjoying. And as a pastor, I hate it. I want my flock to go running to Jesus like they're four years old and it's the ice cream truck and the whole world's right in front of them. I'm dead serious. I want to see that joy, that freedom. And it's a struggle enough to get past your own hang-ups. Somebody say amen. It is a struggle enough to get past your own mess. And I'll just be hanged if I'm going to sit by and watch false teachers wreck my people. I think Jude felt, felt the same way. So today, silly illustration. Forgive me, I'm not trying to offend the noble among us. But I wish you guys could see the father as the ice cream truck and the son holding the money clip. And you just come running on up knowing that mercy, peace, and love is going to be multiplied. You can get the Captain America popsicle. You can get the, the brown mule popsicle. And you can get what up the push-up. And I just want to look out and see my people with ice cream to the elbow. Here's the key right here. Are you in Christ? All of God's riches are in Christ. Are you in Christ? If you're not... You know what? He might have, not might have, God have orchestrated all this to get you to this moment because he's been wooing you and loving you, and he just wants you to receive Jesus. All of the wooings about this. Here's the letter. <laughs> I like you. Do you like me? Check yes. And if you know Jesus, I'm not condemning a soul, but have you been enjoying him lately? Home folks, you know the altar's for you. It's not for me. You don't come to the altar for me. You come to the altar because God called you to the altar. You need to get down and do business with him, not, not for me. Guess the reason you'll even see small kids come up here to pray because that's our culture here. We try to learn to respond to God. During this time of invitation, maybe you need to give him an offering of praise. Maybe you need to get down and make your request known. I just want you guys to know this. He's already waiting to multiply all of the goodness to you. Maybe you won't have a bigger house, your bank account won't be any bigger, but if all the riches of eternity are in Christ, why would he want to shift it to your bank account? 
that's only a few minutes. It'll only last a few minutes. Maybe you've never received Christ. Today could be your day. The Bible says if you believe on that name and receive him, it means you believe his work counted for you, and you say, yes, I'll take you as Lord, you will be adopted into the family of God. And then suddenly he sits you at his table, he opens up his vault, he says, I want you with me, and my stuff will naturally come with the deal. Come to Jesus. Father, thank you for this word, sung, preached, prayed. Father, pray this word lands in us and affects us day by day to see the rich abundance that you want to give to us in Christ Jesus and to begin to recognize the false teachers and fools who would subvert us from the faith, even if that fool lies in our favorite TV program, our favorite magazine, our favorite hangout joint, even if it comes from the lips of our best friends that we love to chat with. Because, God, you want us to have the, the treasure of Christ. Now, fathers, we sing together. Move and work as only you could move and work. Speak to our hearts. Encourage, chasten, challenge, call. Just let every soul here know you're speaking to them. In Jesus I pray. Amen.